Welcome to the Movie Geeks United Blue Report for November. We're going to discuss all the big November titles in this episode. And uh, I guess now is a good time to make an announcement about the future of Movie Geeks United and the Blu-ray report and some other things. Um, We are, as you could tell by the sound quality, we have upgraded our equipment. And with that upgrade comes an upgrade in our entire network of shows. Um, if you go to moviegeekyearbook.com, you can join or moviegeeksunited.net. You can join our mailing list for all the latest updates on what we're doing. Starting in the new year, we will be bringing you three different shows. Our Blue Report, which will be weekly. Uh, Movie Geek Weekly, which will be our weekly discussion of movies that have just been released in the theaters or the news headlines for that weekend cinema and then movie geek yearbook, which will be a new series where we will discuss every film given a U.S. release in any given year. And our first year that we'll be exploring is uh, 1970. So all of that's coming up in the new year and uh, we don't want you to miss any of it. We will not be on blog talk radio for these series. We're moving the blue report to another platform. So uh, just uh, visit us at those websites, moviegeeksunited.net or moviegeekyearbook.com and sign up to hear all the latest news on when and how you can expect to uh, to hear future shows. Okay, well, let's move along and we'll start at the beginning of the month and we'll go back to November 5th. And we had a couple of 4K Disney releases, some older titles that have made their way to the 4K format. Tangled, Zootopia, and Big Hero 6, and The Princess Frog. All of those have been upgraded to 4K. Uh, I think some of those 4K masters will are also turning up on the Disney Plus, of course. But nevertheless, uh, Shaun of the Dead also has made its way to 4K an upgrade and uh it's uh, as as has hot fuzz as well and i guess that makes sense and world's end which all three of those are considered to be parts of a trilogy but they're being issued separately on 4k uh shout select or shout factory rather has another title from their shout select line snow falling on cedars which uh, was photographed by our a friend of the show, Robert Richardson. And I think his cinematography is probably one of the best things about this particular. It's really, yeah, it's really one of the only reasons to recommend it. And yet 
um, when I spoke to him, he said, man, I rewatched snow falling on cedars because they had some kind of tribute that they were giving to me and they rescreened it. And I looked at it, I was shaking my head. I was like, Oh God, this is terrible. <laughs> and I think, I, th I think it, you know, first of all, artists are, a lot of them are very self-critical. Mm -hmm. They're not usually the best gauge of the, the value of their own work, but also I think maybe he was speaking to, uh, he, he really set out to make some beautiful portraits in that movie. And, and I think he felt like it, it kind of strayed away from actually telling the, the story like cinematography is not pretty pictures. It's empowering the story photographically, which are two different goals. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, was it, was this the follow-up to shine for Scott Hicks? It was, yeah, it was a much anticipated follow-up for obvious reasons. A lot of people were uh, clamoring to see what he was going to do next. And this was what he wound up doing next. And it was kind of met with critical indifference and didn't just didn't do very well. In spite of the fact that uh, it was a celebrated novel that it was based on. And so uh, everybody thought he was just going to knock it right out of the park. But, um, you know, and, and you have a screenplay credit co-written by Ron Bass, who is so good mm -hmm. at these cert sorts of things. And you think that, um, you know, and also produced by Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy. So, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of talent there. Obviously, uh, Ethan Hawke in the cast, but just didn't quite, didn't quite have a, a do what they thought that it might. Uh, the new special features include uh, accident rules. They look back at the film, including brand new interviews with Scott Hicks, Robert Richardson, of course, and the novelist David Gutterson. And it has audio commentary with Scott Hicks. I think this is a carryover feature from a previous release and a new 4K transfer and a restoration supervised by Robert Richardson. So there you go. Snow falling on well, Scott. Cedars. Scott Hicks has been a, away a little while, hasn't he? He has, yeah. You, we haven't really seen much of him. Uh, in now, I think that he did. Um, I'm looking now. Man, yeah, after Shine, I mean, when you break out with a movie like that, which really the movie is most remembered mm -hmm. for the lead Jeffrey Rush performance, but um, and then you go from Snow Falling on Cedars to Hearts in Atlantis, which was another disappointment, oh, yeah. I guess, you know, took him a little while to rebound from that. I totally forgot that he had done that one. I, I but he did do the Philip Glass documentary in 2007, and that, mm -hmm. was, I, I, that was a good portrait. Yeah, pretty well received. So, yeah, but anyway, for its 20th anniversary, we do have a shout a new addition to the Shout Select line, Snow Falling on Cedars, uh, getting into sure. some Kino titles. Sure it, I'm sure it looks beautiful. Let's get into what? Uh, some Kino titles. <laughs> no, no, you know, last month we had a, um, a bountiful selection of multiple cuts of films. <laughs> If oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Haven't run into any of that yet, but uh, we might. Woman in Hiding from 1950 is one of their titles that they're offering up this month, and that's uh, Ida Lupino and mm. Howard Duff, and um, not actually directed by Ida Lupino, I don't think. No, it's directed by Michael Gordon, but nevertheless, it uh, features Ida Lupino. And um, they have a couple of other titles that they 
have done The Man Between from 1953. That's a James Mason film. Uh, it Always Rains on Sunday. Uh, and here's something I'm excited about. I, in fact, I did not even realize this had been issued until just now as we're going over this list. And had I known, boy, and I'm going to have to reach in and, and get this one. This is one of my favorite films of the early 80s. And I don't know if you ever saw it or not. Oscar nomination for... Ellen Burstyn for this film, Resurrection from mm. 1980. Yeah. I just think this is a beautiful film uh, that I don't think is in the conversation nearly enough. It's uh, about a woman who has a near fatal accident. Her husband is killed in, in the accident and she has, she's almost killed. And then she awakens to find out that she has the, the power to heal people. And this movie just has so many beautiful, powerful scenes and it has been criminal, criminally underrepresented on home video. It didn't even get a DVD release except for a DVD, mm. one of those deals where you order it and they press it when you when they get the order in. It never got a mass release is what I'm trying to say. And uh, thankfully, it has been issued on Blu-ray. I just – I love this film. I've, uh, it'll be great to have a – finally get a good transfer of it i don't think there's any extras on it but uh, you've got sam shepherd in the cast roberts blossom who played the the uh, creepy next door neighbor in home alone which he's a great character actor that we all uh, any serious fan of films will remember roberts blossom for his many films that he was in and richard farnsworth this is an early performance from him uh, early appearance from richard farnsworth and um so anyway i could not recommend resurrection more i just am totally pleased to see that it was released and so i get surprised every now and then too and that's one that uh, i had no idea about wait a minute who's this let me see that's bill condon don stratton bill had the grocery in goliad used to give you free candy every time it took you in don was the blacksmith Used to come here to shoe before John got tractors. Those great friends used to go hunting up Nebraska way. <laughs> got caught in a flood just outside Ogallala. Drowned. I know them. Why, you couldn't remember, child. You, you was only two and a, and a half at the time. Oh, there's your brother Sam when he come home on leave just for going over to Vietnam. So many crossed over. Resurrection. Is that she... I have vague recollections of resurrection mm -hmm. from my childhood. Did she, So she can see the future or something? What is it that she's left with? Uh, she touches people. She touches them with her hand and they are healed is basically how it okay. works. Okay, healer. Okay, because I always equated it with the dead zone, and and uh, and I didn't know why, and I thought it had something to do with her touching people, but she healed people. It wasn't that she could see the future. No, no, not at all. She yeah, uh, she she can heal people with the uh, touch of a hand, and it's uh, like I said, has so many uh, just beautiful scenes. Uh, yeah, in the movie and the and the uh, the final scene is just oh boy, it'll stay with you. I mean, that's I don't want to say too much, but boy. Boy, that's uh, that's something else. Yeah, I know that Bert, uh, Ellen Burstyn is very fond of that movie. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm right there with her. I, I've always sang its praises uh, every chance I've gotten over the years, and I, I will continue to do so. By the way, do you remember uh, – totally off topic. Yeah. Your, which is my specialty. Do you remember <laughs> years ago on SNL, Christopher Walken did a playoff on the dead zone in one of the skits? I never saw that. No, so I think somebody brought that up, but I oh, never did. Oh, man. It's so funny. He would He would touch people like he does in the dead zone he'd be stricken and the music would go bump and he'd like jerk up and he but all of his seeing into the future it would all be very uh inconsequential uh visions that he'd have so he'd like touch someone and he'd say you're gonna get a coffee you're gonna leave it in the cab (laughs) it's not too late there's still time It was so good. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to have to see if I can find that. That sounds great. <laughs> Where's the Blu-ray of that? I, I want that in, in 4K. Right, exactly. We need that. Well, I want to mention uh, a couple of things from Arrow Video here. Uh, Apprentice to Murder from 1988. It's a title I'm not really familiar with, but just wanted to mention that it's been issued by Arrow Video for anybody who is a fan. And uh, the main offering from arrow video this month that is worth mentioning and this one's in the conversation quite a bit here in the last couple of weeks for for, uh on the movie uh, home video sites and all that stuff uh, is the robocop limited edition which is pretty amazing what they've done it's a double disc set it has a ton of bonus material it's a brand new transfer obviously but this some of the bonus materials are just uh, completely amazing what they've loaded this thing down with Uh, there's the edited for television version of the film featuring alternate dubs takes and edits of several scenes there's a split screen comparison of the theatrical and director's cuts there's the edit the uh, compilation of alternate scenes from the two made for tv versions there's archive commentaries image galleries two isolated score tracks Director's cut production footage, raw dailies from the filming of the unrated gore scenes. There's Easter eggs for deleted scenes, a tribute to the composer Basil Polidurus. Uh, to 2012 Q&A with the filmmakers. Uh, this, those are a few things that are here. Um, it's just pretty amazing, and it also comes with a double-sided fold-out poster. So, uh, you know, if you're a fan of RoboCop, I think this is probably the definitive edition. And we're talking, of course, the 1987 RoboCop. We are not talking the 2014 remake <laughs> for anybody. Who, who... Man, that movie, that movie sure does survive. It does. It, it seems every every year or two you see a, a new edition of it or mm-hmm. or Nicholas Winding Refn is doing a special edition soundtrack version of it on, on vinyl or, you know, it keeps popping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it stays in the conversation. And I have to admit, I, I did not anticipate that when it originally was released. I remember when it came out, it was a summer release. And, you know, like so many others, if somebody had told me that we'd still be talking about it all these years later, I uh, I would have been like, really? But but we I think are. It's just, yeah, I think it's just uh, it's a lot sharper than uh, you would generally equate with that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, you know, that I think people uh, people kind of put on it um, uh, a commentary on the excess of uh, what those movies represented in the 80s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we'll we'll move along to, I think we're already up to November the 8th. 
It's a couple of documentaries here worth mentioning. Uh, Humble Pie, The Life and Times of Steve Marriott, who is a, along with Peter Frampton, one of the founding members of Humble Pie. It's a documentary, pretty short documentary, but it comes with a, uh, a CD of the Complete Winterland show as well. So if you're a fan of Humble Pie, and this Steve Marriott died fairly young. This is a documentary about his life and times. Um, and like I said, he was, uh, uh, it was from there that Peter Frampton went on to do his solo career and we know the rest. So that's, but this is an interest covers an interesting period, um, you know, of, of, along with Steve Marriott that covers an interesting period of hmm. Frampton's career as well. So, and uh, I want you to want me. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah this is an mvd visual okay. release i just wanted to mention that that that's uh it's uh, and cleopatra records i think that's the it's a anyway and another mvd visual release is fairly interesting i watched this it's called i'll never forget you the last 72 hours of leonard skinnerd which this is dvd oh. only and they they rounded up three people who survived the plane crash, and basically it's it's a short about again about an hour and ten minutes, but it, uh, they give their accounts of what happened those last seventy two hours. Artemis is Artemis in there? He is not, which is interesting. What? Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was it was kind of shocking. A shock. The person I, the person with the most interesting survival story exactly. is not included. I was thinking the same thing, but uh, yeah, unfortunately he. He is not, but the ones who are in the film, one of them was the backup singer, and another one was the uh, the the guy who did the, their tuned up their musical instruments or something. He was one of their tech tech guys. And anyway, they have interesting stories. It's it it's not a very polished looking production. It looks like it was kind of I don't know if it was made for television. I'm not sure, but anyway, it's interesting mm. for anybody who's a, a fan of classic rock and wants to hear some maybe new takes on the last you know what it, it sounds like the uh, mark cuban's uh network yeah what is that called, um, is that called? They, access access uh yes. he uh they put out a lot of music documentaries or they air a lot of mm -hmm. music documentaries and they've done several, several things about leonard skinner so maybe it comes from that but they have a one that's almost uh, like two and a half hours long or something and it's about the entire history of the band Mm -hmm. and uh up to and including their plane crash so um yeah it's quite a quite a story for anyone who hasn't heard us talk about this before look up the howard stern show an interview with artemis yeah it and is uh and uh he goes into detail about how he got out of the got out of the crash plane and went through a, a moat in the dead of night in the middle of the woods and found this house with a single light on and he looked like a zombie all bloodied and staggering forward. And the kid that lived at the house got a shotgun and shot him yeah. thinking that he was an intruder. I mean, one thing after another, it's just, it's an incredible uh, conversation. Um, yeah. And what, you know, I, I love Leonard Skinner. I loved I Leonard Skinner. Not so much the new Leonard Skinner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Would they have even survived if they had lived? I don't know. Would the, would there have been the inevitable breakup? I don't know. Yeah, and uh, they were pretty hard partiers too. So that's another element that you have to consider too when you think about these things. But nevertheless, um, I found this to be interesting. I don't know if anybody out there, any of our listeners out there, have seen the Showtime documentary that was on last summer. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. That's pretty good, too. I think it's called If I Leave Here Tomorrow. Now, that does yeah. have Artemis Pyle in it, and he does recount that story in there. So That's the one I'm thinking of, and I think that they did re-air that on Access. But yeah. I, I have seen that, and that, that's decent. That's yeah, good. that's pretty good. And and you really get some insight into the beginnings of the band. I think the they're, the band's manager is one of the major interview subjects of that mm-hmm. documentary. and. You know how how he how he sold Leonard Skinner while they're coming up. It's a good one. Yeah, I think so too. Totally agree. Um, so we'll move on to November twelfth. A couple interesting titles here. Uh, we have Road Games. Oh yeah, from nineteen eighty. Good movie. Yeah, I was gonna say, and uh, a guy you've talked to pretty recently, Stacy Key, mm. of course. It's an interesting one. They, uh, it, it's one of those movies that uh, I know it has a big following. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for all intents and purposes, it can be listed under the Australian horror genre. And yet um, one of the odd things about it is it stars two American actors, Um, (laughs) but, uh, but it is better than it has every, any right to be. It really is. It's a kind of a crackling thriller and a true road movie because they, they travel through a great distance through the Australian landscape. Yeah, and it has uh, some terrific cinematography filmed in widescreen, Panavision. Very Hitchcockian. Yes. Road games. What the hell? The truck driver plays games. The hitchhiker plays games. Aren't you kind of young to be hitchhiking out here all by yourself? Aren't you kind of old to be picking me up? And a killer is playing the deadliest game of all. Oh, he's just killed a girl. Did he make love to her first? I don't know. What's the difference? It makes a lot of difference. I think in order to play the game properly, we have to know what he thinks of women. Music by Brian May, too. Uh, Directed by Richard Franklin, who would go on to do Psycho 2. So you're Mm. speaking about his Hitchcock connections. He, the very next year, directed... Well, two years later, I'm sorry, in 83, he directed Psycho 2, and quite well. That's pretty about as good of a sequel as you could have possibly, uh, if, they were go- if they had to do a sequel to Psycho 2, uh, to Psycho, rather, it was probably the best yeah. they could have done. And So anyway, you could tell he was, yeah. he was a good choice. That's a good, that's a good recommendation, Road Games, Road Games, which is not to be confused with Rogaine, which is a, a hair regrowth product. <laughs> you don't want to... You don't want to buy one thinking you're getting the other because you'll it's, be disappointed. Very true. Very true. So this is a Scream Factory release, and it is stacked with extras. There's a new interview with Stacy Keach, new commentary with the cinematographer, the production mm. coordinator, and the costume designer. There's a new 1980 script read with, um, I mean, it's not new, but it's a 1980 script read with producer director richard franklin and stacy keach but uh, it's never been issued before so that's why it's new it's an old What's a movie script, script read what does that mean i guess they're sitting around a table reading the script uh kind of like a, a huh. table read i guess I, i'm assuming and there's a new composer brian may music demos accompanied by steels and photo gallery so there's that and there's extended interviews with Jamie Lee Curtis, Stacey Keach, Richard Franklin, and the writer, and several others. And then there's just uh, all kinds of other things. Another 2016 audio interview with Stacey Keach. And uh, it's just loaded. It's really loaded. And it's a Scream Factory release. And it's one of their um, 
it's originally a Studio Canal property, so they've they have uh, licensed some titles from Studio Canal here re- here recently, and that's one of them. So Don Siegel's Charlie Varick has been issued by Kino. I think we talked about this one recently, and I think you said you had seen it recently. Oh yeah, but it's a good movie. It's one of those one of those great. Uh, uh, it's seventies, right? Or is it oh, yeah, late seventy-three? Yeah, seventy-three. Yeah, and it's just uh, you know, if you only know Walter Matthau from the Grumpy Old Men films, because I, I look, I know there's a whole generation that grew up on Matthau as comic actor. Uh, the you know, and in the, his his career is definitely defined by that kind of thing with the odd couple and on into his work uh, in the nineties. But watch Charlie Varick, man, he plays a he plays a great uh, leading man of of uh, you know very solid, and yet he's a criminal. <laughs> yes, it's a, but it's it's one of those great anti-hero uh, movies where you're you're still rooting for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, I think it's one of Don Siegel's better films, if you ask me. I, yeah. I'm definitely a fan. It's ten to one. This stuff belongs to the mafia. This is gambling money skimmed off the top. The mafia kills you. No trial, no judge. They never stop looking for you, not till you're dead. I'd rather have ten FBI's after me. One man against the mafia. Bang! This little bank a million miles from nowhere gets hit by four professionals. Now they're going to think that's strange. Why couldn't it be just a coincidence? Because they don't believe in coincidence. And another Arrow video release is The Far Country, the Western, starring James Stewart, Ruth Roman, Walter Brennan, John McIntyre, and Jack Elam, directed by Anthony Mann. And that's from 1958. It's a brand new transfer and lots of great extras for anybody who's a fan of The Far Country. I think that's been issued previously before, but they really, as they usually do, they stack it with extras. Aero Video is good at that sort of thing. So anyway, The Day Trippers from 1996 is a Criterion release. Uh, that's that's one I, I'm aware of the title. Criterion? But yeah, doing The Day Trippers. And Why would that be on Criterion? I don't know. I, I guess it's, well, I mean, I guess for the same reason that you get some of these, uh, John Waters films and things like that. Occasionally they'll put something out that doesn't necessarily feel like a criterion, but has a cult following. And this was Greg Matola's one of his early films, or maybe his first film. I can't remember who later on went to do uh, some, some work with Judd Apatow and all that. Hmm. So Produced anyway. by Steven Soderbergh. Ooh, maybe oh, maybe there's, there's a new interview with Liv Scribner. <laughs> oh live i'm glad they sought him out for that one that's good <laughs> so the nutty professor collection uh is a two disc set from this is another shout select and it has both of the nutty professor films with new extras the eddie murphy films of course um so there's a a new it's a good good time yeah good it time is to be- Good time to be in the Eddie Murphy business. You're striking while the iron's hot, for sure. And, of course, I'm sure you heard the news about Beverly Hills Cop 4 rolling forward for Netflix. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd just be interested. In, I would assume that probably Craig Brewer is directing I'm it thinking. since he's on a roll with Murphy as of late. Mm-hmm. It will not be, I'm pretty safe to say, it will not be Brett Ratner, which was 
the initial plan years ago to relaunch Beverly Hills Cop under Brett Ratner's direction. That uh, it's probably not not a go anymore. I don't think so. I think Brett Ratner is, uh, is yesterday's news. So to yeah, speak. Yeah. Oh, wow. So we have spirited away, which is another uh, boy. They're pumping them out this month. The uh, shout and scream. This is another shout release. This is a Blu-ray special edition of the classic animated film. It has the Blu-ray movie, the soundtrack on CD for the first time, a 40 page book with art and new essays uh feature length storyboards behind the microphone and tv spots trailers so if you're a fan of spirited away and uh, who really isn't it is a very well-made animated film wanted to mention mm-hmm. that shout has done a fantastic job with this limited collector's set that they have put out there of spirited away and heathers has been reissued this is an arrow release as well and this is a new a new transfer new extras i guess 30th anniversary edition so they've done something with that uh thunderbolt and lightfoot is being issued on blu-ray for the third time it was issued twice by twilight time it went out of print and then they reissued it and now it's being issued by kino lorber so another 70s crime flick <laughs> which one which one is that thunderbolt and lightfoot the clint Eastwood oh and- oh George Kennedy and Jeff Bridges. It's a good God, one. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Chimino movie that he made on budget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. I remember it fondly. Mm-hmm. It's it's very well made. It is. And we were talking about Don, Don Siegel. Another Kino Lorber release, which is another Don Siegel film, is Madigan from 1968, starring Richard Widmark and Inger Stevens and Henry Fonda. Hmm. So, uh, never, never seen that. I one. didn't either. I, I remember, I remember it um, being around and turning up on TV, but I just—it's one of those I just never got around to, unfortunately. Um, so we have the 1987 Flowers in the Attic. That's another Arrow release. Um, I know that novel has a huge following. I know the film adaptation was always considered to be not so good, and I have not seen it. I have to admit. Uh, yeah flowers in flowers in the attic was the the twilight of its day Mm -hmm. i mean the teenagers loved that book and i remember so that that movie was um the anticipation for that movie among that crowd was high but uh the movie didn't really live up to expectations but i do remember as as kind of a quasi adult when it came out and not really into teen fiction um the one thing that I noticed was there's a lot of buzz about Louise Fletcher appearing in it. And it was like her most villainous role since nurse ratchet. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That that was the big, uh, the big selling point, so to speak. And it's got one of the uh, most valuable Christopher young um, scores. Oh, really? Uh, he, he, he scored it. And, and to get a vinyl copy of that, it's, a hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. That's something. I had no that's idea. All I'm, that's all I know about flowers in the attic. <laughs> well. And I'm comfortable with that. I'm, I'm fine not knowing anything else about that movie. I think I am too. I'm right there with you. We, we can definitely agree on that one. So Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping is a 2016 film that has been reissued by Shout Factory. Mm. They usually don't release films that are 
that current, but this is a new steel book and limited edition packaging. And oh, it has audio commentary with Andy Sandberg, deleted scenes, gag reel, interview outtakes, that sort of thing. And so if you fondly remember Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping from several years ago, well, they've they've upped the ante with a new steel book release, and they've also upped the ante with a steel book release, a 40th anniversary, nonetheless. Rock and roll high school. Ooh. 4K scan from the original camera negative. New featurette called Class of 79, 40 years of rock and roll high school. Actually, it's a little documentary there. I don't think it's a featurette. It's like a close to a full length. And it has all the previous extras that have been issued, like audio commentary with Alan Arkush and the writer Richard Whitley, of course, whom we spoke to a couple of weeks ago, and producer Mike Fennell. Audio commentary with Clint Howard and PJ Souls as well. And there's a back to school retrospective that has Roger Corman on it. Um, and there's an interview with Roger Corman conducted by Leonard Malton on here as well. So it's a nice, like I said, steelbook packaging, limited edition. So if you're a rock and roll high school fan, there you go. Another, and that, uh, of course, is a Shout Factory release. Another Shout Scream release. This one is a Scream release, The Fan from 1981, mm. which uh, featured, the, I believe, the film debut of Michael Bean. I believe this might have been his or one of his first films. And it uh, stars Lauren Bacall as a Broadway star who's being stalked by Michael Bean, a, a young man whose devotion teeters on the edge of madness, it says on the on the ad copy here, but it's, uh, it's based on a novel from the late seventies. That was, a sold quite a few copies. And I, I think it originally was supposed to be more faithful to the novel. And then around this time is when the slasher film genre was taking over. So Robert Stigwood, who was the producer decided he was going to up the ante and try to compete with Friday the 13th and all that stuff. And it's, it becomes kind of a silly derivative slasher film. And uh, which is, uh, Unusual because the the movie co-stars Lauren Bacall mm -hmm. and James Gardner. You don't associate uh, like a, a stalking somebody stalking Lauren Bacall in 1981. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> this has a commentary, by the way, with our our uh, somebody you're going to be speaking with pretty soon. I think David Del Val. Uh, oh, okay. commentary here. That's interesting. I mean, interview. I've interviewed Michael Bean a couple of times and I've, uh, it's a missed opportunity because I've never asked him about the fan. I mean, just in terms of, yeah, what was it like sharing a screen with Lauren Bacall? <laughs> yes, yes. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's right there with her uh, more than uh, more than one occasion in the film. Uh, yeah. Screw short, screw Schwarzenegger. Tell me about Bacall. <laughs> yeah. She kind of, she, she didn't have much fondness for this film. That's for sure. She did not, but the extras here are interesting. There is a new interview with Michael Bean and there's a new in interview with Alan Heim who edited the film. Oh. And the film also has a score by Pino Donazio. So, yeah. And uh, yeah. Marvin Hamlish did the songs, like the Broadway songs, because she's a Broadway actress. So, she, wow. a there's a play within the film, and the music is by Marvin Hamlish, and the lyrics are by Tim Rice. So, boy, they spared no <laughs> spared no expense with the talent. Incredible, right? incredible pedigree. I know. It really is pretty amazing. And Maureen Stapleton is in it as well. Forgot about that. So, uh, yeah. And just think that was the same year that Maureen Stapleton turned up in Reds for which she won her Oscar. So mm. that is worth mentioning. 
So, but apparently she was not a fan of the fan. <laughs> I don't think so. Or the, the Academy was not a fan <laughs> the, the Academy fan. was not. That is correct. So, Monty Python's Flying Circus has been, I know this is a television title, but it's worth mentioning because it's been issued in a massive box set. And- Let me just say. Yeah. Some, something hit the fan, but the fan was not a hit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can continue. It's good. Oh, uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus has been issued uh, with brand new. They've gone back to the original film elements and they have remastered this. And I hear it's just amazing what they've done to it. They've gone back to all the original animated sequences and remastered them from the they didn't just remaster the episodes. They remastered the actual elements that were used to put the episodes together. So I hear that it's really quite amazing if you're a Monty Python fan. So Monty Python's Flying Circus in a huge box set that covers the entire series run. Uh, Operation Crossbow from 1965, which starred George Pappard and Sophia Loren. That's a, and Trevor Howard. That is a Warner Archive release. Um, we have Winter Kills from 1979, starring oh. Jeff Bridges. I think we've talked about this title before. And- That's a wacky movie. Man. <laughs> I uh I did I watched that uh not so long ago I think through Amazon or something mm-hmm. and they have the deleted ending tacked on it but um it's so weird because it looks like it it it's kept, comes from a really degraded VHS tape or something that deleted ending you can, huh. it looks like you're watching it with a panty on your head <laughs> so I would imagine if it's included in a Blu-ray it's got to be cleaned up somewhat yeah. Probably so. That hopefully they've they've found the, the film elements to support that. I'm sure yeah. it's on there. But uh, really unusual movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, anything uh, you know, anything that Houston performs in is, and, and plus it's, it's just you watch it for how wacky it is. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we have another Stacy Keach title, Street People. That's Kino release from 1976. Mm. And we also have Return to Macon County. 1975. I think that's a Kino release as well. That stars Nick Nolte and Don Johnson. And Heartthrob. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The Gunrunners from 1958. And that uh, that has Audie Murphy, I believe, in it. That's a 19, that's a Kino release as well. And The World, The Flesh, and The Devil, starring Harry Belafonte and Inger Stevens and Mel Farrar. That's a Warner Archive release. So all of those have been have been issued. Belafonte and Andrew Stevens. Inger Inger Stevens. Oh yeah, <laughs> Dif- different Stevens there. Totally different. Totally different. Yes. Buffet Freud from 1979 is a Kino release that stars uh, Gerard Depardieu, and this it's a mm. black comedy uh, about a a guy who just keeps stumbling upon dead bodies, and and the police seem disinterested in actually figuring out who's doing the murdering and uh he's accused well, of knowing knowing Depardieu, it's probably a documentary <laughs> this one has a actually is, was very well reviewed at the time of its release uh i watched it and it's it seems to be a little it's a little quirky for my taste i don't know um maybe i'm just wasn't in the right frame of mind when I saw it, but it didn't quite hit me the way I had anticipated that it might. But nevertheless, it has bonus features, uh, archived interview with director Bertrand Blyer, theatrical trailer, and an audio commentary by film critic Nick Pinkerton. Mm. So 
Buffet Freud, Gone Fishing is another Kino release. How about that? We're always talking about these comedies from the, the 90s that came and went. And this is Danny Glover and Joe Pesci. Don't watch it. Yeah, <laughs> just, just 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 watch the Irishman. Just go I mean, fishing. It, it, Pesci, yeah, just go fishing. Pesci, Pesci is remarkable in the Irishman, and if you want to uh, kind of rid yourself of those those beautiful thoughts about how great Pesci is in the Irishman, just put on Gone Fishing. And plus, <laughs> the the thing that I always remember about Gone Fishing is somebody was killed. That's correct. Yes, and I always think right. to myself, on Gone Fishing, like doesn't that if you're going to be killed on the set, does it have to be gone fishing? Like, are you in heaven? Like thinking, damn it. Why couldn't it have been a worthwhile? <laughs> I, I literally gave my life for this movie. Yeah. That's, I remember that. Yeah. That was a, that was a major, a major man. I would have, I would have given my life, you know, speaking of Pesci, I would have given my life for something like the super before gone fishing. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Oh boy. Well, anyway, it it has been issued by Kino. And Chud is an Arrow video release from 1984 featuring the late mm. John Hurd, of course. That's a, another one of those that has a cult following. And Oh, yeah. It, it Chud is the other thing that doesn't die. My God, this, this yeah. cheapo little movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I watch it. I, I always watch it on a double feature with HUD. I always love <laughs> Chud and HUD. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, this has got a ton of new extras and a new transfer. So for anybody who's a fan of Chud and nice essay booklet and all that, there you go. Uh, the stuff is another Arrow video release. There's another one that keeps coming up over and over again. The Larry Cohen film from 1985. Mm. So, yeah. like I said, that's an Arrow video release. That's like the yogurt stuff, right? Yep, that's the one. Yes, we're gonna make a horror. We're gonna make a horror movie about yogurt. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. So we're uh, moving right along. Children of the Corn has been issued again from the first, the eighty eighty yeah, four eighty four version. Yeah. So, or, okay, because I don't want it to be confused with the thirteenth one. There, all right. Yeah. Period. Isn't that I amazing? Mean, my God, that's a never ending. Like. What what finally convinced them to put the kibosh on uh, making more f- children of the corn? So how much money? What was that threshold? Because none of them were good. No, no, not at all. Totally agree. Yeah, and uh, it's yeah, boy. Well, it's out there again. If anybody, lest anybody <laughs> missed it, the first gazillion times it was around. So anyway. This is interesting to note that Suspiria has been issued. The 1977 has been issued, 1977 version rather, has been issued in 4K. Mm. So that's that's probably one of the first catalog titles. There have been a few here and there, but it's one of the first major horror catalog titles that I'm aware of that's been issued in 4K. Uh, as a domestic release, there have been some overseas. Some of the Carpenter films have been issued overseas, but this is pretty pretty interesting that they decided to do this. And I, yeah, but in terms of visual and color palette and all of that kind of stuff, it kind of screams for the, the highest transfer possible. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a new 4k restoration uh, a year or two ago. This is uh, it's also in 7.1 audio, which is pretty interesting, I think, but um, yeah, it's that uh, I found that interesting that they would, 
that they would do that, and I'm I'm glad they did it. But um, uh, I'm trying to f- look and see who the label, who the distributor is on this. I'm I'm not getting. They didn't send me a review copy, so I'm not. Oh, it's Synapse. Sorry, Synapse Films. Mm-hmm. So Intimacy is a 2001 film. This is um, a provocative film. It's labeled as. It starts out as a weekly. Anonymous tryst between a divorced man, Mark Rylance, who was in Bridge of Spies, of course, Oscar nominated, and a married woman, Carrie Fox. And it turns into a portrait of loneliness and emotional need adapted from Hanaf Karishi's controversial novel and short stories and directed with delicacy and eroticism by Patrice Chiru, who directed Queen Margot. It won the Golden Bear for the best film at the 2001 Berlin Film Festival. So it's been issued in a new 4K restoration by Kino Intimacy from 2001. So uh, that has a few extras, audio commentary by the film critic Karen Hahn, and a trailer. So there you go. Uh, We have the complete Universal Pictures collection, uh, all of the Abbott and Costello films, an 80th anniversary Blu-ray set that has every film they made for Universal Pictures. 28 movies in this beautiful box set and i did get one of those and it's quite something to behold if you're an abbott and costello fan and even if you're just a casual fan there's enough there's a treasure trove of, of extras here they've even found deleted scenes from some of these films believe it or not uh there's tons wow. of audio commentaries trailers 44 page booklet uh new interview with ron palumbo the co-author of abbott and costello in hollywood there's a new interview with lou costello's son chris costello even so there's a ton of ton of stuff there. And so anybody who would like to have a complete collection of all the Abbott and Costello films will look no further because Shout Factory has 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 done their best with this one and it's uh, it's quite quite impressive. So The Bad and the Beautiful from 1952, starring Lana Turner, Kirk Douglas, and Walter Pidgeon and Dick Powell. That's a Warner Archive release that has been issued. The whole nine yards from two thousand is um, I think that's a Warner Brothers proper release, not a Warner Archive. But anyway, uh, Scarface. Did you did you hear that um, Scorsese was talking about how he and uh, De Niro were planning a remake of The Bad and the Beautiful at one time? No. Yeah. Wow, I missed that. that. Because they've been making the publicity rounds for the uh-huh. Irishman, and man, they're talking about unfulfilled projects, and you know, every time that De Niro and Pacino get together, it's all about the same thing. Like, <laughs> what did you, what did you almost do together? And Pacino's like, well, we almost did Glengarry Glen Ross together before oh, wow. a director was attached, and De Niro yeah. says he 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 told Pacino, um, if you don't do Scarface, I will. Uh, which brings us to your next title that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Whole nine yards. Oh, Scarface. Oh, I thought you said. Oh, Scar- no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was moving ahead. I'm sorry. I was on whole nine yards. And now I'm moving to Scarface. Sorry. No, the whole nine yards has nothing to do with Scarface. Okay. Yes, it does not. You're right. Well, uh, no, this is the original 1932 version, actually, the one produced by Howard mm. Hughes and uh, directed by Howard Hawks. So we're not talking the, yeah. uh, the 83 version was actually issued last month on 4k, but the remake started there. I mean, not yep. just because it's a remake, but because Pacino saw that in the Hollywood, uh, Hollywood Boulevard movie theater and thought, Oh God, I want to do that. He said, I want to be Paul Muni in Scarface. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of developed from there. So that's where it all started. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You never know. Well, we have, 
like I said, Scarface, I think this is a universal release. And, um, you know, it's been issued before on DVD, obviously. But this is the uncut version, I think, as far as I know. They did make some trims at the time of its release. But I think this is as, as close as you can get to, to it being complete. And we have Betty Blue from 1985. or mm. I'm sorry, 1986. That's This is the complete three-hour and five-minute version of Betty Blue. It was trimmed down to about an hour and 55 minutes when it came out stateside. But, uh, you know, this is a film that has quite a following. I must admit I never got around to seeing it, so and I still haven't gotten around to it yet, but I'm hoping to soon. But um, this features a new high-definition digital restoration approved by the director, Jean-Jacques Benix. Blue Notes and Bungalows, an hour-long documentary Benet. from 2013. I think it's Benet. Benet? I'm not sure. That Benet. It could be. Benet. Had the, yeah. It could be. Yes. I butcher a name every now and then. I, I, not to I, be confused with Jean-Jacques Nod. <laughs> it's a lot of Jean-Jacques out there. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, there's uh, a short film by Benet, we'll say. A French television interview from 86 with him as well. And Screen test from the uh, the lead actress, Beatrice Dolly. So, you know, this is a Criterion special edition of Betty Blue. And it has been kind of hard to find for a while. So thankfully that's available again. And 3,000 Miles to Graceland from 2001 mm. is a Warner, Warner Brothers proper release. Um, I'm not sure why they're reissuing that at this point, but um, nevertheless, it's there. Uh, American Me is a Shout Select release starring James Edward, Edward James almost, sorry, uh, of course, from 1992 and kind of has a, still has a following of some sorts, I believe. And um, so anyway, Unflick from 1972 stars Alan Deloyne and Richard Crana and Catherine Deneuve. And that's one that I'm not familiar with. That's a Kino release, I believe. And it's Deneuve, Den- by the way. <laughs> I'm butchering them all. Butchering them all tonight. What's wrong with me? Oh, Memory, The Origins of Alien, the recent documentary on the making of Alien, which I never got around to. That's been issued. The boys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the yeah. That's the new 40, uh, 40th anniversary doc. Yes. Which I hear pretty pretty good, pretty involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear good things. The Boys Next Door has been issued from 1985. Which the uh, Boys Next Door? Yeah, this is the one with Maxwell Caulfield, better known for his role in Grease Two, <laughs> Killers on the Lamb kind of thing. Yeah. Um, when 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 the phrase that comes after your name is better known for Grease Two, <laughs> uh, look out, world! This is a Severin Films release. Uh, they've, yeah, I remember when this came out and I, I didn't see it then and still haven't in the ensuing years. So by the way, don't, don't try Googling the boys next door because you will get some pornographic imagery. I just tried it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Anyway. Well, how about this one? This is a better title. Chuck Berry, hail, hail rock and roll. Taylor Hackett's film about his, his 60th birthday party in the, all-star musical cast, Eric Clapton, Robert Cray, Etta James, Julian Lennon, Keith Richards, Linda Ronstadt. And the music is produced by Keith Richards. 
This includes, and this is a Shout Select, again, one of their releases. Uh, it has a 2006 DVD introduction by Taylor Hackford. Witnesses to History, number one, featuring Little Richard, Bo Diddley, Chuck Berry together for the first time. Witnesses to History 2 is a three-and-a-half-hour look at the birth of rock with Jerry Lee Lewis, Bo Diddley, the Everly Brothers, Willie Dixon, Roy Orbison, Sam, Sam Phillips, and Armand Erdogan. And 54 minutes of Chuck Berry rehearsals with Keith Richards, Clapton, mm. and more. And yes, I did that say... That interesting. Man, when, when you see Chuck Berry rehearsing with who we consider the fellow legendary musicians, yeah, uh, he was he was rough on him, man. He was like, You're not playing it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they capture him in all of his uh his his um you know his grouchiness, I guess you would say. He's <laughs> yeah. not having no not suffering any fools yet. Yeah, it's it's there. There are a couple of times when he's a little little rough so yeah so jaw jawbreaker from 1999 has been issued in the 20th anniversary edition um yeah that's a sony title farewell friend is an another alan deloine delone charles bronson film farewell friend 1968 that's a uh that is a release and someone behind the door is another kino release charles bronson and anthony perkins what a what a pair there. <laughs> mm. <thought> that. <laughs> uh, and it must be Alan DeLone month because he's also in Diabolically Yours from 1967. That's a Kino release as well. Holy Man from 1998 is an Eddie Murphy <laughs> release. Not sure we want to talk about that one. but I can imagine why that was made, uh, made uh, public. And it's not just... Um why it was released again and it's not just that eddie murphy's on fire again it's also jeff goldblum mm -hmm. and holy man if i remember correctly is a touchstone release mm -hmm. that's right and uh and jeff goldblum has a new series on disney plus yes it all ties in that's right yes he does i hear pretty good things about that too by the way yep delivery boys from 1985 it's a title i'm not really familiar with but delivery 85 delivery okay so that's not the fat boy uh, like a fat boys movie no you're thinking about disorderlies i believe <laughs> <laughs> this is delivery a, boys okay yeah uh, scorpion releasing uh, which is a subsidiary by the way everybody don't uh don't google delivery boys uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh that yeah, or the boys next door don't don't try it <clears throat> this actually has mario van peebles in it and samantha fox so isn't that funny? Ooh. So Dracula, the 1979 Dracula, has been issued in a 40th anniversary collector's edition by Scream Factory. Now, why is this special? Because it's been issued before. Why is it? What's the big deal here? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. This is the first time that it has ever been issued in its original color scheme on home video because John Badham has always desaturated the colors and all the other editions that have been released that he approved of. Uh, he still prefers the desaturated color timing. There's a new introduction here with director John Badham explaining why. There's a new interview with uh, with some of the cast members as well. Audio commentary that was on previous edition, the revamping of Dracula. And then, uh, so you do get the desaturated version on one disc, but you get the theatrical version on another. So that has been corrected for the first time. And there's a new audio commentary on the theatrical version by Constantine Nasser. 
and the still gallery. So anyway, uh, I think it's nice that they finally corrected the previous, uh, I don't know how to, whether it's a mistake, not really a mistake, but <laughs> it's something that's not made people too happy. Let's just put it that way. Fans mm. of the movie. And I prefer the original theatrical color scheme myself for whatever it's worth. Uh, and then we have the 1979 film Prophecy, directed by John Frankenheimer. Uh, this is the one about with Robert Foxworth and Talia Shire as a doctor and his wife traveling to Maine to research the impact of the lumber industry on the environment. And then they, they get attacked by a bear that's a mutation from some of the poison that's been put into the water. This has uh, new interviews with Talia Shire and Robert Foxworth, believe it or not. And writer David Seltzer, he wrote this, the guy who wrote The Omen and Other Side of the Mountain. Special effects artist Tom Berman and Alan Apone and mime artist Tom McLaughlin also are interviewed. And there's theatrical trailer and photo gallery. So if you're a fan of prophecy or, or have fond childhood memories of it, well, it is available. Mm. So, yep, that's a title actually that has been much requested, I am told. The 1945 film, which is actually a sequel to Going My Way, The Bells of St. Mary's, has been issued by Olive in their Olive Signature line of films. It's a new 4K restoration, an audio commentary by Bing Crosby biographer Gary Giddens. Uh, several featurettes here, and uh, there's a featurette called Before Sequelitis, and it's a uh, Professor Emily Corman on the film in the context of Hollywood production history, because it's interesting that this was at a time when their sequels were pretty much unheard of. So that that's kind of interesting to think about that in the context of when it was made and how those sorts of things weren't uh, common like they are now. And we pretty yeah. much, it's pretty much a, a done deal these days. So anyway, uh, a couple more criterion releases now Voyager with Betty Davis Paul Henry and Claude Rains, of course, from 1942. And All About Eve is another Betty Davis film. Uh, that's one of the better films of the 50s, I think, All About Eve. It's still a film that I have quite a fondness for and directed by Joseph Mankiewicz. And like I said, both of those have made their way to the Criterion line with tons of new extras and all of that. And you know, that's, that's Fincher's next movie, right? All About Eve? No. Um, Mankiewicz, co um, oh, the the okay, co writer of uh, Citizen Kane, yeah, it's right? uh, Herman Mankiewicz is the uh, oh, I think the uh, okay, Joseph Mankiewicz was the director, I think Herman was his uh, was the guy who co wrote Citizen Kane, yeah, Gary Ullman's playing, him wow, in uh, in Fincher's movie, yeah, hmm, I don't know who's playing Orson Welles, but he'll probably go with an unknown. I didn't realize that. That is very interesting. Well, how about <laughs> another one of those touchstone films we're always talking about? What about Mr. Wrong, Ellen DeGeneres, and Bill Pullman? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. perfectly titled movie. Yep, 1996. Well, that was her first attempt and only attempt, I think, at a, a big screen film career, right? I don't think she ever did yeah, it again. Yeah, in terms of a big screen career, that was her that was it. coming out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Well, I think this one's worth mentioning. Uh, you know, typically we don't go over the newer films, but this is a film that was actually shot in 1972 and finally was issued last, late last year. Amazing Grace, the musical mm. documentary with Aretha Franklin that was directed by Sidney Pollack and sat around in limbo for many years. And they finally put that together and finished it. And uh, it's been issued. So I wanted to mention that because it technically is an older film, although it was only released just last year we have christmas in july starring dick powell and ellen drew from 1940 that's a kino release we have great day in the morning from 1956 and that's um virginia mayo and robert stack that's a warner archive and then we'll leave leave off with out of the blue from 1947 that's a kino release Oh yeah. Oh, I did see one. Oh, one more. I've just noticed this. The Angel Collection from the 1984 to 1988. Remember those films where she was a schoolgirl by day and a prostitute by night? They made the no. <laughs> this actually had Dick Sean in it. Uh, the first one did anyway. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was one of those New World films when uh, you know New World was cranking out those those movies like around the time they did House and Children of the Corn and all that. They did. Oh, yeah. uh, Angel, yep. <laughs> and then there was Angel. Yeah, those are interesting. Time. Who, who, who was Angel? Donna Wilkes. Donna Wilkes, yes, that is correct. Man, they made a lot of them. Mm-hmm, they made three. Sure did. No, no, I see Angel Four. Wow, really? Well, there's only three in the Man. box set, so let's just—it's damn. Our- I feel gypped. Yeah, I know, Ain't, right? A- Angel Four Undercover. Molly is now a police photographer in a relationship with a DJ. Her <laughs> her old friend, her old friend from the streets gets in touch with her. She's in a uh in town with a band and she's hot for the lead singer. Her friend gets murdered, and Molly turns up at the scene to photograph the body. So <laughs> Molly again assumes the identity of Angel and hits the club scene to search for the killer. This time it's a it's a groupie rather than a prostitute. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now you got me curious. I've never seen it's play, played by someone different. Darlene Vogel. Mm. Couldn't get, I guess Donald Wilkes outgrew the role. Probably. Probably. 